Taco Bell isn't just about offering delicious, craveable food for our fans. We also provide millions of dollars in scholarships and grants each year through the Taco Bell Foundation to break down barriers, to educate and inspire the next generation of leaders. True to the Taco Bell brand and the spirit of restless creativity, these scholarships have helped hundreds of young students and Taco Bell team members achieve their boldest ambitions and create good in the world. Today, I'm excited to be speaking with two-time Live Moss scholar, Nash Kansing, who created an impressive documentary about the impact of COVID on job prospects from recent graduates that earned him first place at the Hearst Journalism Awards and in the creativity during COVID category from the White House News Association's 2021 Student Contest. He's a member of the Southeastern Asian Student Association and the Asian American Students Association at his school and is participating in a fellowship for Asian American documentary filmmakers. Nash perfectly embodies the spirit of our scholarship program with his creative and honest passion for filmmaking. I'm so excited to have him with us today. But before we get to the interview, if you can pause this podcast right now and watch Nash's documentary, it's only a few minutes long. You'll see a link in this episode's description. It'll be worth your while. You should really do it. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the man, Nash Kansing. Nash, welcome to the show. Hi, hello. I could say this is my third podcast, Nash. And when I read your background and all that you've done, uh, I've been actually quite nervous about talking with you because you are <laughs> a celebrity. What do you think about that? I don't know if I call myself a celebrity. I appreciate that. I appreciate all the kind words. That's, a, that's quite an introduction that you have there for me. Well, I honestly, Nash, I read so much about you and, you know, pro the challenge in these podcasts in 20 minutes is to really capture, you know, the, the core of your story and yours mm -hmm. is so compelling. Uh, it's moving and it's inspiring. So let's just start with a little background. You started your filmmaking when you were in the fourth or fifth grade you, and you were nine years old. And tell us, because that was a pretty moving part of the documentary. So mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about that. I grew up, you know, I, I guess at like the dawn of YouTube, the dawn of the internet. So that was really my, my main influence in, in making, making videos is like, that's kind of like what I wanted to be when I was young. Like, because it was, it was kind of a fun thing. Um, but in addition to that, I, um, I had a cousin. Um, I called him Manning Batuts. And he was a lot older than me. He lived in Canada. I'm from North Carolina. So they would come, like his family would come every, you know, every holiday or so. And he was kind of like my only older brother present since I only have two older sisters. Um, and he, he was a nurse, but his true passion was filmmaking. And that really kind of rubbed off on me. Um, and I, I remember, um, you know, he passed away when I was in fourth grade. Um, and I remember going up to Canada, uh, you know, visiting my, my aunt and uncle. And, uh, you know, we, we went into his room and she gave me as a gift um, this book on how the Batman trilogy was made, um, the, the trilogy made by Christopher Nolan. And that, that book is something that, that really influenced me into, you know, making me consider as even as a kid, you know, like maybe I can do filmmaking. Um, obviously, that's kind of 
you know, I'm not, I'm not doing like Hollywood producing or anything. I'm doing documentary, but um, I'd say that's definitely like the first, the first kind of uh, influence that I've had on, on why I choose to do something creative, uh, I guess, like in the medium of uh, video storytelling. So. Well, it's pretty cool because if I think what I was doing in the fourth grade at nine years old, I was, I, I wasn't making films. So I, I think that's actually pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, and then you got into high school and before you really got serious about filmmaking, um, you, you wrote poetry and you actually published two books. Talk a little bit about what inspired you and, and, and what kind of poetry you wrote. Yeah. I mean, so a lot of the creative stuff has really just been kind of a reflection of, you know, the, the development of social media. So, you know, I was, I was really into Instagram at the time. Um, and, and it, one of the trends on Instagram, one of the little social circles on Instagram was, was the poetry community. Um, you know, there's a lot of poets that I followed in, in middle school um, that, you know, their careers kind of kicked off because of, um, you know, them posting on Instagram. And, um, you know, what's, what's kind of funny about how I started writing poetry was that I wanted to impress a girl. She was moving away. So I decided to write her um, a couple poems in a notebook. Um, but I was too afraid to give that notebook to her before she left. So uh, I don't know what was in my logic, uh, but I decided to, to make it for everyone. You know, from then on, a lot of people started following me. I, I think uh, my account at the time, at its peak, reached like 12,000 followers, which wow. is it's a, it's a lot. It's, it's a big community to handle, especially when you're like 15. I kind of kept writing on that throughout high school. It was a, it was it turned into, you know, trying to impress a girl to something that I could really um, use as an outlet. Um, of course, high school is a very transitional time and poetry was kind of like my saving grace, you know, trying to understand what the world is. And um, you can kind of see that process throughout the two books that I've I've self-published. So. Yeah, Nash, I'll tell you what really struck me about listening to you and reading up on you and some of the work that you've done is just at such a young age, how you were so comfortable being raw and real and honest and vulnerable and sharing your fears. Where did that come from? I'm not entirely sure. I think a big part of it has to do with how I grew up. You know, I'm, I'm the son of two Filipino immigrants um, who moved here in the 90s. Um, they moved to Baltimore and then they moved to Hickory, North Carolina 10 years after that. Um, I, was, I was the only Asian American in a lot of my classes. Um, and instead of, you know, I guess being the stereotype that, that everybody thought I was, I just decided like, why not, why not be my most true and authentic self? And that was kind of a theme that, that I had, especially writing poetry. Um, you know, I think writing poetry, that's a, that requires a lot of vulnerability, um, a lot of self-vulnerability, you know, and, and so that's definitely something that, that I devoted myself to um, every time I made something creative and, and put it out in the world. Oh, amazing. And then somewhere in there in high school, you decided to, to really focus on photography and filmmaking. And so what was that inspiration? Yeah, I mean, you know, like at, at the time where I transitioned from poetry to to primarily doing photo and video, um, you know, I, I had been running my account, that Instagram account for three or four years. And, you know, it came to a point where, yeah, it did it did transition from impressing a girl to, you know, um, finding an outlet to be authentic. But it came to a point where I kind of sat back and, and saw myself in 
I kind of asked myself, you know, like, what am I doing this for? Um, and eventually it, 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 it dawned on me that it no longer felt like I could be authentic. I was, I was writing and like uh, publishing a poem like every day, every other day. And that, that kind of took a toll on me, especially, you know, when I'm trying to figure out where I'm going to go to school, trying to figure out, you know, where I'm going to, going to land as like an 18 year old. So, um, you know, I guess out of, out of hobby, I decided to pick up the camera that I started with when I was a kid. And every weekend I, I went out and started taking portraits with my friends. Of course, it's, it's, it was my senior year in high school. A lot of my friends were going all over the place. Um, so it was a way for me to connect with them before, you know, before the page turned on the next era in our lives. And so, you know, with that, you know, taking portraits with my friends, I, I started learning how to use a camera. Um, and it, it, it turned into a hobby, but it landed me in the right place by the time I got into the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Um, and there I, I joined the newspaper and I, I had never shot any photojournalistic uh, subject at all. Um, but I decided to join the newspaper as a photographer because that was that was, you know, that was something that I was very comfortable with. And it, it turns out that it was something that I, I actually turned out to be very passionate about. So. It was, it was kind of luck. It was kind of coincidence, but you know, it, right. I think it, I think it turned out for the best. <laughs> it really did. Nash, it did. So let, let me, let me now transition a little bit to how we actually found you. Okay. Um, Taco Bell has a foundation and we raise money all year long. And we have what's known as the live Ma scholarship, which gives young people uh, the opportunity to get a grant, get some money to help them go to college. And, to earn that, you have to make yourself a short two-minute video and send that in, and then we select people uh, from that. And there's thousands and thousands of applicants every year. And uh, Nash is not only a one-time winner, but he's a two-time winner uh, for $10,000. So Nash, tell us first, how did you find out about the scholarship opportunity and what drew you to it? I can't remember if I was following him on, on Instagram or YouTube first, but there was a a scholar that had won the year previous to mine, his name is Calvin New. I think he's based in the Bay. I'm not entirely sure. He was doing, I think, cinematography at the time. And, you know, just following him through his social media posts, he posted about the Live Moss Scholarship. Um, and when he, when he found out, you know, it was maybe like 11 or 10 months until the next application um, for the Live Moss Scholarship was opened. Um, but that was on my radar all throughout sophomore year. Um, so, you know, I was, I was definitely like waiting for, for the application to open. And, and when it, when it did, you know, I was really drawn to it just because, um, you know, it was absolved from grades. It was absolved from uh, like other criteria, which in, in my, in my schooling in high school and in, in public high school, like I, I didn't have the opportunity to, you know, do as much extracurricular as others um, for, I guess, like merit-based scholarships. And um, I think it was really awesome because, you know, it was, it was a passion driven scholarship. Like what other, what other scholarship is, uh, you know, framed like that. There's, there's not too many. And I think that's, that's why I was, I was really appealed to it because, you know, being authentic was, was part of my mantra and it still is. So, um, you know, that, that's the reason why I decided to apply. Yeah. I watched one of your, your videos and, and authentic is a word I would definitely use to describe you. So I, I'm just assuming, I mean, it didn't solve all of your financial uh, challenges to go to, to North Carolina, but I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it helped a little bit uh, offset some of the costs, but then probably also helped uh, kind of catapult you 
more to in, in this direction of your passion? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I use the, the scholarship money, I think the first time around to, to help pay for my first year, which is, you know, it takes a big load off of my parents. You know, I have two older sisters, both are, are, you know, they, they've done school after their undergraduate schooling. Um, so, you know, to, to be able to help alleviate some of the costs for my parents, um, as well as for me, and like, you know, I could be taking out student loans, but instead, um, you know, I had the, the scholarship for, for those years. So I'm, I'm especially grateful for that. I have also, you know, used uh, some of the money to help invest into my own equipment, um, which has really, really helped me out. I mean, I mean, quite honestly, like the equipment I used to, to purchase um, is the equipment I used for, for the video that's won the awards. Um, and I, I couldn't have done that any other way without the scholarship. So. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, we're going to talk more about the scholarship in, in, in a few minutes, but now let's go to, to what I really wanted to get to, which is mm -hmm. this documentary that you created called To My Future Employer. Mm -hmm. uh, I saw it and I've watched it now a couple of times. I, I have a page full of notes here uh, <laughs> about you, which is kind of weird. Maybe I'm now a Nash stalker, but it's all, it's all good, Nash, I promise you. But Tell us um, a little bit about the documentary, the genesis of it, uh, and, and where it came from. The, the video was a prompt out of a documentary class that I was actually taking. Um, and of course, you know, because of COVID-19, all my opportunities from last summer have been taken away, and, and even a lot of opportunities this summer as we're transitioning into hopefully a COVID-safe world again. The change from, you know, pre-COVID to current COVID was, was overwhelming. Um, you know, I, there was a lot of momentum that I had building up to my, my summer between my junior and senior year, at least at my school and in my program, the expectation is to get an internship that will help me get connected to the industry. So by the time it's my senior year, I can be pretty well connected with, with anybody in the industry. And, and hopefully that can set me up for a job. But that just wasn't the case. Um, you know, COVID started happening in the springtime. And so all the opportunities I was supposed to get uh, just didn't, they didn't, they didn't plan out, um, unfortunately, because by the nature of documentary and photojournalism, you have to be in person. And uh, so, so I ended up staying home that summer. And that, that really, um, you know, placed a lot of weight onto my heart. Um, it, it made all my momentum stop. Um, you know, at that point, I, I was traveling all over the place, doing projects all over the place. Um, and then I, you know, next thing you know, I'm in my childhood bedroom, which is was really heartbreaking for me, just because, you know, like, I, I had to stop working, you know, quite frankly, yeah. I, I had to stop pursuing my passion for that summer. And that that really, you know, that 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 really placed a toll on my head. So, you know, when it when it came to, you know, thinking about what type of documentary I wanted to make for this class, I decided that it would be a really great opportunity to do a self-reflective piece on myself. One logistically, because it was safe. I was because inside. you could do it. Exactly. I was in the, the, my own confines of my, you know, of my wall and my safety. But on the other hand, you know, it was a great opportunity to navigate the experience of being a soon to be graduate of UNC while also not having any internship experience. Um, and you know, lo and behold, I found out that process of making a self-reflective documentary is actually very confrontational um, within myself after, you know, compounded with a whole year of being inside my own thoughts. You know, the process of making this video was very therapeutic, honestly. I didn't know what I was going to find. Um, you know, I, I was still writing 
down the script as I was making it. Um, you know, in the lowest moments of the, of the script, that was where, you know, my dog was like, it was his last days where I was writing about my dog passing away. I think it was also a really good return to my poetry days because I hadn't, I hadn't turned the lens on myself in a really, really long time. It had been, you know, at least three or four years since I had done that. So yeah. Nash, I, I, I just want to say something to the people that are listening. We'll definitely make available how you can uh, watch uh, Nash's documentary, but I don't think this conversation can actually capture the realness of it, how authentic, but I'll use this in a, and I use it in a, in a, in a very complimentary way to sharing of the darkest moments um, when you're laying in your bed, when you're with your dog. I mean, to see those moments, Nash, was really revealing about where your mind was during this time, uh, which, you know, is so impressive that you were so comfortable to share that with the world. I think, you know, at, at that point, I was like, you know, why, why not? You know, I feel like in the pandemic, you know, obviously, we think about the healthcare workers, we think about, you know, the elderly, we think about all the vulnerable, you know, people affected by COVID physically. But, you know, far along in that list are, are the students who are about to graduate or the students who, who also did graduate in the pandemic. Yeah. And where does that leave us? Um, so, you know, my mentality going into this video is what do I have to lose? You know, I, I have lost so much already, um, you know, so why, why not lean into that? Why not tell people what's going on? Um, because there's nobody else who's going to do it except for, except for us. So, well, I, I mentioned Nash, some of the, the awards, but I, I'd like you, cause I'm not from this industry. So I don't, I don't really know the Hearst journalism awards and the, the white house awards. So just talk a little bit about the recognition that this documentary has gotten for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the Hearst journalism awards is um, one of the most prestigious awards you could receive in, in the collegiate journalism circle. Um, so I won the monthly competition for that and I'll be actually competing at the national championships. So it's a, it's a big honor for my school. It's a big honor for myself. And usually the championships happen in San Francisco. Um, unfortunately, because of COVID, it'll be happening remotely. But, um, you know, a lot of people in the industry, you know, really respect that, that recognition so I'll be surrounded by a, a, a lot of amazing photojournalists and video journalists um, when I go and visit finalists, albeit remotely. But um, Beautiful. yeah. And then tell us about the White House, because uh, you may be traveling to the White House. And that's pretty exciting. <laughs> that is really exciting. There's a there's a funny story to the White House. I was um, I was actually driving away, uh, you know, on a weekend trip with with one of my friends from my hometown it was her birthday that weekend and we were going to, to go hiking at like a state park here in North Carolina. I was just planning on disconnecting from uh, the chaos that is being a, a college senior. We're out driving in like the country, like rural farms everywhere, not that much internet. I get a text from a random number and they're just like, hey, this is yada yada. We're with yada yada and you need to get on Zoom. I thought it was spam, but I decided to call the number back and you know, the, she, the, the lady on the other side of the line really reiterated that I needed to get on Zoom. And I was like, okay, uh, I'll try to download it because I don't have it on my phone. I couldn't download Zoom because I didn't have internet. Uh, there's no like data out there in the country in North Carolina. Um, so we stopped at a Dollar General. I had to call the number back and 
She was like, well, on behalf of the White House News Photographers Association, you're the student videographer of the year. And I was like, what? Wait, what? Because I, I had completely forgotten about uh, applying to that, um, submitting my video to that. Um, it, it's kind of just like, you know, throwing it, throwing your submission into a black hole. Or so it seems yeah. with a lot of things yeah. in this industry. And I was I was surprised. I was like, wow, that that's really amazing. And so um, my professor sent me a text not long after that phone call. And he was like, you know, that means that you're you're meeting the president. And I was <laughs> like, what what is happening? So that there's it's still pending, you know, because of covid. But yeah, on, on a normal day on a, in a normal year, I would be going to a gala, meeting all the, the White House um, photojournalists and uh, apparently the president is going to be there and I'm going to shake his hand. So pretty amazing, Nash. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Um, are you working on any new documentaries? And if so, what's been the inspiration? Yeah, I, I actually am. So I am working with my fellowship, um, which is um, run by the Center for Asian American Media, um, meant to empower uh, emerging Asian American filmmakers who are based in the South. And what I am doing for that project is on the Hmong community in Hickory. Uh, for context, the Hmong people are a refugee community um, that originally are from the mountains of China. They, refuge, they seek refuge in the mountains of Laos. Then they were in refugee camps in the mountains of uh, Thailand. And then they, uh, they emigrated over to the United States. Um, but what is really interesting about uh, Hmong people in Hickory, um, Hickory is my hometown, you know, there's not that many Asian Americans in my city. And if they are, they're usually Hmong people. So um, it's really kind of like a revisit back to my youth, back to, you know, how I developed and how I perceive my racial identity. Um, because in classes, most of my Asian friends are Hmong. Um, so I kind of want to go back to Hickory, do my little piece uh, on there and kind of give homage to the environment that raised me, to the people that helped, you know, make me the person who I am today, considering the fact that in my industry, I will likely not be in Hickory, North Carolina for too long and also be a, a documentary filmmaker or a journalist. So that's, that's really, uh, that's inspiring, Nash. So what, what the surprise was that I told you about earlier is that we're going to give you an additional $10,000 grant to help make that documentary come to life. So, wow. yes. Yeah, so the team will follow up with you after the, uh, after we finish okay. today, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're just so inspired by what you do and, and trying to help you move along and, and do great things. So I know it's not everything, but I'm sure yeah. it'll go a long way to help you. Well, yeah, I, 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 I really appreciate it. I did not expect that. Yeah. Thank, thank you so much. And also thank you to the, to live Moss team. Oh yeah. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. So a couple last questions and we'll let you go. So what, what are your long-term Nash aspirations? What do you want to do? What, what's your big dream in life? I mean, one thing is, you know, definitely to make my parents proud and make my cousin proud, make the, yeah. the childhood me proud. Um, and whatever that is, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know for sure. For right now, my pursuits are to definitely get accustomed with the journalism industry, get accustomed with also the documentary industry. And also, I, I would love to, you know, work with the bigger organizations, the LA Times, New York Times, um, basically whoever, whoever sees value in my work. Um, I would definitely love to work for them for a couple of years. And then I would also love to branch out and do feature films on, you know, what I think is important, what I think 
you know, what story I can amplify. That's just the best way for me to make my mark on my history, on my family's history, and I guess the, the rest of the history. So, well, that Nash, it, uh, that doesn't surprise me. Uh, I have goosebumps listening to, uh, <laughs> to what you want to do with your life and, and make the world a better place by, by, like you said, amplifying stories that are meaningful to, to a lot of people that probably don't get amplified. So it's, mm. it's pretty powerful. So now enough of the heavy stuff. <laughs> One last easy question, which is, I'm assuming that you have a go-to item on the Taco Bell menu. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's kind of funny i was talking to some of my roommates about this and they're like oh say this say that say the baja blast um i i would have to say the quesadilla only because when i was a kid every sunday my parents you know my family we would go to mass and there's a taco bell that's not too far away from the church and every sunday we would go there and i would always get the quesadilla so yeah i have to go back to the classics for that one so that's definitely my, 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 my thing on the menu there. Love the classics. Love the classics. Yeah. So Nash, honestly, thank you so much for being with us today. More importantly, though, thank you for the work you're doing to make the world a better place. And uh, just so happy we could support your efforts in just a little bit. Keep up the great work and you're an inspiration to all of us. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much as well. Yeah. I really appreciate y'all. I appreciate the team as, who's been following me for, for so long now. So yep. I really appreciate yep. it. And good luck with, with everything you're doing. This year, the Taco Bell Foundation will be awarding $7.5 million in scholarships to Taco Bell fans and team members ages 16 to 26. All the application requires is a two-minute video describing your passion and how you plan to achieve it. The application opens every November, so keep an eye out. I'd like to take this time to thank everyone for tuning into this episode. If you're craving more, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts to hear more of these amazing stories with amazing people. See you next time.